sermon number 616, preached in the First Presbyterian Church of Bakerstown, Sunday, August 20, 1972, entitled, Anchors of the Soul. The scripture reading, Acts, the 27th chapter, the 13th through the 38th verses. <clears throat> a soft wind from the south began to blow, and the men thought that they could carry out their plans, so they pulled up the anchor and sailed as close as possible along the coast of Crete. But soon a very strong wind, the one called the Northeaster, blew down from the island. It hit the ship, and since it was impossible to keep the ship headed into the wind, we gave up trying and let it be carried along by the wind. The violent storm continued, so on the next day they began to throw the ship's cargo overboard. And on the following day they threw the ship's equipment overboard with their own hands. And for many days we could not see the sun nor the stars, and the wind kept on blowing very hard. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. <coughs> After the men had gone a long time without food, Paul stood before them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete. Then we would have avoided all this damage and loss. But now I beg you, take courage. Not one of you will be lost to his life. Only the ship will be lost. For last night an angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I worship, came to me and said, Don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand before the emperor. And God, in his goodness, has given you the lives of all those who are sailing with you. And so, men, take courage. For I trust in God that it will be just as I was told. For we will be driven ashore on some island. Now it was the fourteenth night. And we were being driven by the storm on the Mediterranean. And about midnight the sailors suspected that we were getting close to land. So they dropped a line with a weight tied to it and found the water was 120 feet deep. A little later they did the same and found that it was 90 feet deep. They were afraid that our ship would go on the rocks, so they lowered four anchors from the back of the ship and prayed for daylight. The sailors tried to escape from the ship. They lowered the boat into the water and pretended that they were going to put out some anchors from the front of the ship. <clears throat> Paul said to the army soldiers and officers, if these sailors don't stay on board, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the boat and let it go. A day was about to come, and Paul begged them all to eat some food. You have been waiting for 14 days now, and all this time you've not eaten a thing. I beg you then, eat some food. You need it in order to survive. Not even a hair of your heads will be lost. 
And after saying this, Paul took some bread, gave thanks to God before them all, broke it, and began to eat. And the men took courage, and every one of them ate some food. There was a total of 276 of us on board. And after everyone had eaten enough, they lightened the ship by throwing the wheat into the sea. From this and other passages of Scripture, we know that the Apostle Paul was a very, very wise man. And in his wisdom, he knew that he should not fearlessly go where angels fear to pray. In his wisdom, he knew the best way to keep from being burned was never to play with matches. Consequently, when he was asked whether or not they should undertake such a perilous, unnecessary, reckless trip upon the sea, he said, no. No, it's foolhardy. But the centurion, who was the senior officer on board, listened more to the captain and to the owner of the cargo. The anchors were pulled, the sails were set, and the ship sailed. And the Apostle Paul, like many a wise man throughout all the history of life, found himself, even after he had thought his best thoughts, done his best deeds, given his best advice, because of no fault of his own, he found himself in the midst of a dramatic, perilous storm. And what a storm it was. They had only been gone a few days. And there it came, the big granddaddy of them all, the Northeasterner. The Northeaster is the worst kind of a storm. And it hit them head on. The first day they thought they could help themselves by throwing all the cargo overboard. Isn't that a lie? That's the reason they sailed in the first place, to protect the cargo, and that was the first to go. The second day they jettisoned some of their own equipment. The storm kept on coming. The winds blew. The waves grew, the atmosphere was like stew, and fear stuck to those people like glue, and the storm kept and kept and kept on coming. For two weeks, it stormed. For 14 days, they never saw the sun. For 14 nights, they never saw the moon nor the stars. Only rain and sleet and wind. And then on the 14th night, about midnight, they sensed, as sailors always do, that something was near. It was midnight, they couldn't see, they didn't know what it was, but they knew something was out there. They took a line with a weight. They lowered it, and they sounded by. 
120 feet. They waited a while, they allowed the boat to drift further into the storm, they sounded bottom again. This time, 90 feet. They didn't know what it was, but they knew they were coming closer to it. Would it be a happy harbor, one that would receive them with warmth and kindness and with ease, or was it just another craggy set of rocks waiting to devour them and to cause them to sink? They didn't know. And in the midnight of any storm, you never know what is out there. So those sailors did what symbolically every Christian ought to do. They threw out four anchors from the stern of the ship and they prayed for daylight. They cast forth four anchors. That's great advice. It's helpful, it's sound, it's Christian, and it's safe. And it's applicable to every storm that anyone could possibly meet at any midnight of his life as he faces some storm upon the sea of life. Any storm which your body or which your spirit might have to face. Cast for and pray for life. You see, just, just as the sailors cast over four big, mighty, iron anchors from the stern of the boat to tighten that little vessel and to keep it fastened in one spot, so the Apostle Paul at the same time cast forth four spiritual anchors to secure the souls of all 276 men on board. And the first he cast forth, I think we can call the anchor of providence. The anchor of providence. The Apostle Paul was a human being, don't you ever forget it. And like all of us who are human beings, he could not resist reminding those sailors that they wouldn't be in that plight if they had listened to him. And he was right that the Apostle Paul throughout all of his life was always something more than a I told you so critic. He was also a I tell you now comforter. And he told these people about the anchor called Providence. This night or last night, we're not quite sure what night it was, the different versions of the Bible put it at a different 24-hour period. But shortly before, Paul said, an angel of God stood by me, and he told me to fear not, Paul, for God still has other assignments for you in life. Your life shall be spared. This is not the end for you and no one of the 276 will lose their life either. And then Paul said, I am convinced that it will be as I have been told, for I trust God. Three great words. 
I trust God. And upon those three words is built the anchor called Providence. Paul grasped that anchor with his life. And so can you. For like Paul, all of us have had in the last 24 hours at least some messenger of God as we have it every 24-hour period, be it the Bible, be it the sacraments, be it the Holy Spirit, all telling us the same thing. God loves us. He created us and all things that God creates. He creates good. In the sight of God, we are good. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have life. God knows us. He knows our names, our addresses. After all, he created us and he placed us here on this earth. He knows every storm we have been through, the one we're going through today, and the one we'll have to face tomorrow. He has numbered not only our days, but also the hairs upon our heads. <coughs> With the way my hair is falling out, that's a big job. <coughs> he says he will never make us go through more than what we can endure. <coughs> that he works for the good in all things, which includes all types of winds and storms for those who love him and are called by his name. And if you believe that, really believe it so that you act upon it in your everyday living, you are grabbing hold of the anchor called problems. That's the one that Paul passed out first. And the second was the anchor called patience. And he drew it right out after the first one called providence. Because providence must always go with patience, and patience must always be anchored alongside of providence. One is the counterpart of the other. And sometimes it's not too difficult to believe in the providence of God and to base your life upon that particular anchor. But most of us get in trouble when we refuse in the providence of God to anchor our lives with patience. It's not the plan that God has for our lives that upsets us. It's his timetable, for it never seems to work quite fast enough for us. And we get excited. And we become impatient. And we go out and try to hurry God up or slow him down. And when we do, we do not anchor our lives in the patience of God. Paul did. And he tried to get the people in the midst of that storm to anchor on that particular idea of patience. That like so many of us, they had sailors on board who felt that they knew better the way things should be done and how they should be done and when they should be done far better than the timetable of God. So they got the little dinghy. 
the lifeboat, the emergency exit, and they, and they lowered it down over the side of the ship. And they were just about ready, a few of them, to crawl in on the pretense that they were going out to set some of their own anchors around the great ship in the storm. But they couldn't fool Paul, and Paul says, Go ahead! If you can't wait for God, go ahead! You have in the providence of God the opportunity to try to set your own timetable, but if you do, you cannot be saved, for there is no other way than you can be saved than by God's way. And God's way, no matter how we like it or do not like it, runs on his time schedule, not on ours. You see, it's just like they tell him that joke, remember? The man was riding on the airplane. An announcement came over the loudspeaker that something may happen to the plane and the lives of the people on board. The man is sitting beside a clergyman, and he said, Quick, preacher, quick, do something. And the preacher said, Sir, I'm in the business of religion, but I'm in sales, not management. And sometimes, sometimes, you see, we think we're in management. That's God's hat to wear. He sits in the chair of the chief executive. We're in sales. We tell people about the love of God and about the providence of God which must be counterbalanced with the anchor called patience. He threw out the third anchor. For the lack of a better name, we call it practicality. Practicality. You see, Paul was a very wise man, and he was not one of those religious people who was so heavenly minded that he was absolutely no earthly good. He was an individual who did the best with what he had. He knew, like all of us better find out, that his job in life, or in any storm of life, was not to perform miracles. Our job in and out of storms is not to perform miracles. That's God's business, and He'll take care of it. He may work miracles through us, but not by. We're not in a storm or out of a storm even to do the impossible. Let us leave that up to Him who made everything out of nothing, who made the sun, the moon, the stars, you and me, this day and everything. He'll take care of the apostle. But the one thing that God expects of you and of me is to use what we have. To do what we can do. That's what he expects of us. And in the midst of a storm, no matter what it is or how long it lasts or how great it be, God expects you to do the most practical thing that you can do, and that's what Paul did. The winds were blowing, the ship was rocking, and what did Paul do? He sat down and had dinner. 
and he invited all the other sailors to eat with him. Paul knew those men had not eaten for 14 days. They were hungry. He knew that there was something out there, something that they would see tomorrow, and it was going to cause a reaction to have to take place in those men. They were going to need muscle, and muscle needs strength, and strength depends upon nourishment. And nourishment needs fuel. So he called them to eat. And you notice what the Bible says? Different words and different translations, they were inspired, encouraged. And folks, that's the way it works. I'm sure you have felt it in some crisis or in the midst of some storm when you knew that you were doing everything humanly possible that could be done. You received the presence and the power from knowing that you were doing the practical thing. That's what God wants in storms, people using Christian common sense with what they have to work with. And then he threw over the fourth anchor, prayer. <clears throat> Providence, patience, practicality, and prayer. And I wish sometimes you'd study that particular prayer it's very short, it's very simple, but oh, what a commentation it is on the topic of prayer. Notice they did not pray for safety. No, because to pray for safety would mean that they would have to let go of the first anchor of providence. Remember, they believed that God would lead them to safety. They believed that. They knew that God was going to bring them to land. And therefore, they could not leave go of the anchor called providence because they already knew what was going to happen to them. And you never pray or should not pray for that which you already have. And they had the assurance through the providence of God that they would be made safe. Notice they did not pray for the storm to end. To pray that way would have meant that they would have had to let go of anchor number two, patience. They were content to let things in God's hands and they knew that God would end the storm when the time was right. So they prayed not for the end of the storm. And notice they prayed practically, they did not pray for impractical things. They did not pray for the things that they did not need. They did not pray for everything under the sun. They prayed for the one thing they did not have. Light. They prayed for daylight. They prayed for light. That one thing they did not have, and they knew that when God gave them that, together with the mind which he had already given them, and which they could use, and the hands which had already been given to them, and which they could use, and the food which had already been given to them and which they had used for strength. With the light that he would give, they could follow and not walk in darkness, but have the light to find the land. What a lesson in prayer. To pray for that thing that God yet still is to give. 
and not to pray for those things that you already have by his goodness and his grace. Cast forth and forth those four hands, and you'll face any storm in life. You remember Dr. Clarence Edward McCartney? I know many of you knew him through his books. Some of you were members of his church, and many with the great program of the First Church Pittsburgh, you thought of him either as an official or unofficial pastor. This man has been a great inspiration in my life. Not only when I served on the summer staff of that church, studied in the same room and living here where he had studied for so many hours. But his books, more than 50, have been written. Great help to me. Maybe you'll remember that after he retired from First Church, downtown Pittsburgh, he went to the home in which he was born. It had been rebuilt, refurnished over in Beaver Falls on a hillside overlooking Geneva College. And there in his later days, he suffered from that disease which so many people suffer from and the one which all of us dread. And he, in those closing moments, knew great moments of pain. His brothers, and I think all of them are pastors and ministers of the gospel, gathered around his deathbed, and in the old covenanter background in which this whole family was raised, they read from God's word and sang hymns. And then one of the brothers said, Clarence, before you pass over into the great beyond, you have something that you would like to say to the people. And with a voice choked with pain and with suffering, written all over a very confident countenance. He says, yes. Tell them the anchor still holds. Tell them the anchor still holds. Cast forth your anchors, and you will be able to ride out any storm in either life or death. Father, we're very grateful for every opportunity we have and for the privilege of grabbing hold on the eternal truths which you do give unto the children of the sea of life. And now in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of his Holy Spirit be and abide with you all now and forevermore. Amen.